everybody, Maserati Niche here, and guess what? I'm bringing some realness to you guys. I am bringing some rawness. We're talking about finances. We're talking about real life issues. We're talking about the things that people are not talking about within our community. And I am so excited, so excited to be bringing y'all Niche Speaks. And I brought, brought a few people with me today. Actually, six of my favorite people, kings that is. I brought Ernest Stanton. Ernest Stanton, tax accountant, business consultant. I am a black man in America. Dr. Craig Smith, founder of, and CEO and founder of Foster Success Boys and Men, higher administrator, and I am a proud black man in America. You already know who it is. It's RWE, I've got cars, car life auto, car dealership, black man in America, and I am an owner. Got Drew here, the CEO of Davidi Care, home care provider here. In the Philadelphia area, and I am a black man living in America. Chip, Playboy Fresh, entertainment, all things entertainment. I'm a black man in America. I'm Tariq Banks. I'm the uh, founder of restaurant food truck business, The Burger Bank. Also the co-owner of independent record company, Forever Music Records. And I am a black man in America. Yes. So I chose the six of you guys for a few different reasons. One of the reasons are I really admire you all. I really admire you all individually and what you what your contribution is to the community. I think that all of you guys have a very, very strong presence and I feel like your story needs to be heard. A lot of the things that I hear, most of my friends are males. And a lot of the things that I hear from black men specifically is that it is very hard in America for a black man. But I feel like when you say that, women and everybody else on the other side of that cannot relate because we don't know what, it, what you go through daily. I know what I go through as a black woman and I have some of my own challenges, but what is it like ultimately for a black man in America and what are some of the challenges that you face daily? I know, you know a lot of us sitting at this table are entrepreneurs and we run very successful businesses. And even with that, it has been a journey. There were some things that you encountered. Maybe you tried to get funding and you didn't, you didn't pass the application process because you were a black man. Had you been a white man, you may have got approved for the funding. So I just want you to tell your stories authentically what it is like and the challenges that you have faced in America being a black man. And we can start with you, Ernest, and we'll just work around. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is me being an accountant, owning my own accounting practice is I'm in a corporate America setting. And as a corporate, as a black man in corporate America, obviously, you know, they don't really want us in there. And it's always been challenging for me because I'm in an arena where the white man has been successful for over 100 years. Most you, you normally see accountants, you think of a white man in a suit and so forth. It's always been challenging because I'm going in the banks trying to get loans and they're looking at me and they're saying, you want to, you run a, own a, your own accounting practice? Yes. You have employees? Yes. I'm trying to get funding. Oh, well, we need X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe I don't have X, Y, and Z. Why is it that you need all of these different things from me, but I feel like what from the next... What, what, what would be some of the X, Y, and Z? Well, they, 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 when you go into certain banks, when I first started my business 10 years ago, they're not just asking for your social and paperwork. They want to know, oh, where's your business located? How long have you been in business? What credentials do you have? They ask about your degree. They, I'm like, why is the bank asking me about my credentials in the sense of, I'm showing you my credit. My credit is good. I'm mm -hmm. showing you that I have a bank account. I have money in the bank. Why are you going to the furthest extent of asking me all these questions to make sure that I'm going to do right with the money. Sometimes I feel some banks are discriminatory on black men when you're trying to get ahead, especially when I started 10 years ago. So I have a question. 
Um, my question is for you, Reef. So we actually were sitting at the closing table together, which was a hell of a goddamn experience, because we were totally racial racially profiled. And I'm like, this white man is talking to us like we knew to this. This is what we do. We, we, we're bosses. So we were doing a deal. I was the middleman. I actually um, hold, was the wholesaler for this deal. Sharif was selling the property. Um, he said, listen, I'm trying to get rid of this property. Boom, boom, boom. I posted on Instagram and instantly Andrew DM me. And he was like, I want it. Don't take it down. I'm getting it. So make a long story very short. We go to the title company. We walk in the title company. Sharif has some tattoos. Where are they? Oh, right here. Everywhere. You know, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and then Andrew comes in, you know, with his bougie scarf with some sweatpants and complex. And then that particular day, I so happened to be dressed. So I was in my fabulousness. So we come in, and this white man is talking to us like, like we're new to this. And it was very offensive. And once we all peeped it, we start talking heavy. <laughs> like, yeah, because I'm about to put 10, 20 more cars on the lot. And then they just like, yeah, because, you know, we just, what, we did like 2.5 mils, such and such. So we all start talking heavy. And I'm like, yeah, so my other house is here. So I didn't decide what I was going to do. I was thinking about maybe flipping it and putting more. So we, yo, when I tell you that this white man's energy shift. Changed. It changed in 2.5. So we talking about. Boy, <laughs> we, we just started breaking up. So Andrew was like, Andrew started getting a little, a little antsy, a little aggravated. He was like, Well, I've been at the closing table a million times, and I know that. Da -da -da. So he started trying to discourage us. I felt like in that moment, like, Well, I wouldn't move forward if you don't have an accurate reading on the meter and blah 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 blah. Reef was like, Listen. Niece, just take this 3000 hold it. If anything come up, give it to Andrew. If nothing don't come up, we rocking and rolling. So the man tried to prevent us from closing that deal that day, actually. So we went downstairs, and Andrew, like, um, he like, Niche, I want you to come see my new car, brand new Bentley. So, so I walk outside, and Reef is like, man, I could sell the house now. I just want to get rid of it. I ain't got time. Listen, this is what we could do. So we outside talking. I'm sitting in Andrew's car. Reef is like, listen, I just give y'all the money. Y'all hold it. Escrow, whatever y'all want to do. The man comes downstairs, the, the owner of the title company. He's like, excuse me. Uh. So he see us in big boy style at this point. So he comes downstairs and he's like, if you guys want to come in, yeah, you can come in. So Ruth like, man, Ruth then called the other title company. He like, listen, I don't like dealing with that guy. He's an a-hole. You go in there, y'all can get the deal done. He's just BSing. So make a long story short, we go back upstairs getting the deal done. He's like, so, so, we're all good, right? We're friends. We're friends. We're friends. Everybody's cool. We're happy. We're happy. We're like, dude, we ain't messing with you no more. Get out of here. So for me, he was judging us from the rip. So what is that like? How did that make you feel as a black man in America, as a successful Black men in America. Yeah, might you add, um, you know, <laughs> back block to the car a lot, and I pride myself. And I pride myself in that. I, I open all my Instagram videos, everybody know I'm like, RWF got cars from the back block to the car a lot. So it, when you get judged like that, especially, and it's two, it's two doubles on me because I'm, I'm, I'm Muslim and I'm black. So we get looked at harsher than just being black in America. You, you got to talk about being black and Muslim in America. Because mm. you remember when 9-11 happened, it was Muslims that was getting attacked and actually terrorized from American citizens, quote unquote, white supremacists. And we're gonna keep it 100. Mm -hmm. That's, they was looking at Muslims bad and a lot of Muslims in our community is what? They're black. Mm -hmm. So me going in places with my, my Muslim garment on, with a big prostration on my head and tattoos is like, all right, what is this white guy gonna judge me? Or how are you gonna look at me today? Me, personally, I don't care. 
My credit good like yours. That's why my you bank care. account like yours. That's why yours. you don't care. That's why you don't care. I, I don't care. Right. Because you successful, okay, I'm successful. In a company you working for, I can own your company. Mm-hmm. One but of the I, things But that... I don't take that like I'm not being prideful, I'm not being arrogant, because the whole time we was humble. Right. It's like we he were. brought that we out of us. Yes, like, he did. It's yes, like he, he did. just kept until we to the point we was like, yo, I got this American Express business platinum card. You do a couple <laughs> cards on the table. We started talking real heavy. I, 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 we were talking so heavy. I'm telling you, it's like you, you, you judging me, you critiquing me from stuff that don't even have nothing to do with you. So it's like, funny that you said the appearance in terms of the black, the, the black man, but a Muslim man. So Tariq is Muslim. I had a conversation with my boyfriend. I think it was probably like a week ago, and we were talking about how. He says when he's downtown, because he dresses up very corporate attire daily. He said when he's downtown, he has his briefcase, he's all dressed up to the booty. He said a lot of white people are like, oh my God, what do you do? What do you do? What are you going on? And the conversation, they don't feel threatened. He said, but if I'm walking down there and I have on my gym clothes, whole different ball game. Whole different ball game. So where do you think that comes from? If you have a beard, are you more threatened? to you know caucasians or people outside of our race what is that how does I mean, that I, I truly believe it comes from like 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 he spoke on the um the history with you know the religion in itself and honest and honestly uh, and i love my religion and i you know i pray five times a day but honestly we're we're, we're represented uh from some of our own people in a negative way and then right. we're also um stereotyped in that negative way meaning if you look at from the outside looking in and you know you guys you might see it on movies where it's like muslims are killing each other and mm-hmm. and they're saying they're doing this in the name of a law or and it's called and they're doing it and it's called jihad and that's that's what they're doing and it's not true it's right. literally not true like them getting on a plane and killing everybody on a plane you didn't do that in the name of a law someone right. brainwashed you muslims you, don't do that and you went right. crazy muslims but the thing is that's what was captured on tv right. Right. so exactly. that's what people were seeing so, so now they're judging that's what we're judged from and our and our our religion honestly represents peace tranquility uh respect that's what it represents but you know like i said when people look at everything that's built around it and, and in today's society and i think pr- probably for hundreds and hundreds of years People gravitate to negativity, absolutely, and they'll run with that. You know absolutely. what I'm saying? And they run with that. So I think that's a big thing because it's you know you'll hear it, and I, I mean, I love all people. I have friends that's white. You get what I'm saying? But I understand. I understand the topic, and I think it is important because sometimes we even have to move differently, and you realize like, am I moving differently? Because you don't want to. You want to be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like. I feel like, you know, you might have a white person say, hey, oh, hey, he's Muslim. You get what I'm saying? Like, they don't understand, they don't understand the religion and they don't understand what it, st- what it stands for. So they're ignorant to the fact and, that, and then we get the backlash because of it. I mean, literally, when I travel because of my, my, because of my name and because of uh, maybe my beard, but I'm mm. like, why I, is the every beard other time such I traveled, I was, I, I was pulled to the back. Why literally, is the beard such a big deal? I think because it's just, a, this is a white man's world. But I see white you know men I mean? with beards. Well, see, yeah, so why is it like the a beard in our religion represents? So we, 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 we our prophet is Prophet Muhammad, so they were selling, and we're and we're so and we're supposed to carry ourselves. You know, if you want if you want to perfect your religion, you carry yourself the closest possible that you can imitate in the life of Prophet Muhammad, so they were selling. And so when we wear these beards, I think they look. Hey, you know that that's those Muslims. But men. it's hey. even other. It's even like other religious groups 
men that have beards. It could be a Christian with a beard. It really doesn't. I just think it's the beard thing. Why is that such a threat as a black man? The beard thing. Beard. Well, you so don't think it's the beard? Right, because you get stars. You got, NBA, yeah, right. yeah, you got NBA stars whose beard is huge, but since you're an NBA star, you instantly are looked at in a positive light. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I think it depends. I think it depends. I think it's like a case-to-case -case basis, and right. I think the religion itself that puts us, yeah, it, it, you know, definitely that puts us judge before we ever, before the person is even known. All right. Okay. Like, so, how strong of an influence do you think the black man has on the Af the overall African American culture? How strong is your influence in our community? And I'll let you answer that, Joe. I think as far as men, um, <clears throat> our influence is the most important. Um, men, I feel like as black men, we are just naturally like survivors. We're just naturally strong. We're, you know, <clears throat> and I always say to like my friends who, you know, still hustle, I say like, you know, you, you have like this natural gift, even if you think like you're just a drug dealer you know, you know, person to be able to do something, even though society, society look at it as so bad. You have to manage your product, you have to sell it, you know, you have to get somebody to test it, you know, you have to make sure you have the money. You're running a business, and that's a black man, like, you know, and that's what we resort to as like. Our all-time bottom is running a business and working for ourselves, you know, and that right there shows so much strength that we as black men don't even see because I bet some of y'all probably never even looked at it that way and thought like you that's really a skill. Like, was, you know, just anybody can't do it. That's I was crazy. leaving out of a barbershop and it was a kid I knew, right? I knew his mom, right? And this was a few weeks ago and I knew his mom all my life and, and I seen him out there and I was just looking at I see him for months. He's just sitting out there but I know what he's doing, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I rolled the window down to him because that's the way what you're saying is exactly how I felt. I said, yo, I, said, I wrote the window down, I said, yo, you know you have the heart to be out here, you know it comes with this from the street. I'm glad that you said to, that. Seriously, from, from the street, from law enforcement, everything, and you have the will and commitment to sit out here. Do you know you're already an entrepreneur and you're already in a position to build something I'm glad great that you, said that. you can right. step away right. from this here? And and I, I did it without even telling him, yo, you're selling drugs. I just told him, I see right. you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Everybody else see you if you're on this school all the time. Like if you thought different, you would help my business grow. Right, right. Well, you can grow your own. You know what I'm saying? And I told his mom when I when I when I seen her, I told her that, you know, because if you could take that step, then would it Getting get the bank telling you no, you're out there risking being shot, right. going to jail, losing your family. So bank tell you no, uh, 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 an investor tell you no. You can still stand tall and still use your work ethic and your heart, you know, right. and your integrity to so, do something positive. Oh, so yeah. let me ask you this: What was your transition, Reef and Reek? I know a little of your history. Mm -hmm. um, what was your transition like from being in the streets? Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to become an entrepreneur. What was that aha moment? What was that awakening moment? And how did you transition? Because I don't think that a lot of the guys don't want to That's transition. Really important. You know what I'm saying? Both of those questions. Really I don't important. think that they do not not yeah. I, like. I don't want to be like a. A, a, a retired drug dealer. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that that's their goal ultimately, but I feel like they don't have an outlet. I don't even want to say they don't have the resources because there's so many of us now, but how did you do that? How did y'all transition? Well, so, no, you might help sure. Okay, so I know with me, right, and it's funny because years on, like I'm talking in my 20s, I remember like it was yesterday, it always stick to me, right? A, a gentleman put up on me, uh, a little older guy, he pulled up and he, you know, I was, I was in the street. 
And I honestly, and I, I never, you gotta be talking, because I've never talked about my past in this kind of way. And I'm fine, I'm fine with it, I'm fine with it. So like, er, how I am now in business was how I was in the streets in my 20s. I mean, from, from corner to corner, from where you at, I mean, from shifts, to knowing my numbers, to knowing everything I was doing, mm. right? But everyone from my which, neighborhood. Which I have to add, you're a dope businessman. Don't Thank you, I appreciate it. Don't Dope! But everyone, like, everyone knew. Everyone knew it, you know what I mean? But the positive thing was they're helping everybody, helping the neighbors, doing stuff for the community. So no one really, like, you know, the community didn't pull me down about it. So the gentleman pulled up, he rolled down the window, he said, Hey, Brown, he said, I just want you to know, he said, I've never seen, and he was from the street. He said, the way these young boys follow you, I mean, I would come around with a million young boys, like wherever I was at. Wow. He's like, the way these young boys follow you, I've never seen that kind of influence. He like, one day, you need to flip that and do something positive with that, right? He mm -hmm. always said that. He like, and I, and I and that set with me then, like, you know, I'm trying to feed your family, but it set with me, it was like, yo, like you, you know how to touch people. You know what I mean? You know right, how to touch right, people. So I didn't right. make that transition then. It didn't stick with me in a way of like, oh, let me just change my life, get rid of all this mm -hmm. money. But later on, fast forward to opening up a gym and then, you know, growing it and managing a whole bunch of staff and a whole bunch of clients, what he said started coming back to mm, me. Come on, that's I started realizing that's like, like, no, like I used to teach my staff about client retention and I'd be like, yo, this is how I kept my street team. Right. I'm keeping my staff the same way right. I kept my street team. So it's just, it's in me. Was it the, because you, so your first, the first thing that you did outside of, you know, hustling or whatever, was that the first transition? Yeah, it's so deep because you know what I went through personally. You see right. people try right. to do to me online. Right. So it's, I don't know if we could talk here. Yes, we can. So Let's talk about I'm it. I'm just saying for how, because of right. the issue. But it literally, I was in music. And it was like, you know, I was in it heavy. We traveling the world. You know, we was dealing mm -hmm. with some of the same mm -hmm. people. And then I was in the street the whole time. But when I finally was tired, I actually started working in mental health. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, my friends. Nine to five. Yeah, my friends okay. left first. So a couple of my friends who was in the street with me was working there. So one was a supervisor. I'm like, yo, I'll try it. And I, I fell in love with it so much that I started to like take courses in college for it to try to enhance myself there. And the kids loved me. Then I, they knew me through music. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and fast forward, you know, and I don't know, I, I think Ern probably know, but I, I ended up uh, actually getting arrested mm -hmm. and, um, and, and charged for for a sexual crime, uh, one of my kids saying we had inappropriate, and these were like sick kids. And I already like, know because I worked with somebody. It took my life completely to where a low I, place. Yeah, a low place. I, I spent two years in prison. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and a lot of people didn't. I mean, some people knew. Like at first, I was still like talking about it in my music. I said like, I gotta let it go. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I say so that was before training. But even when I was away, it still wasn't about training. I was mad the whole first year I was supposed to be here because yeah. I was bitter. Absolutely. So then I would start praying. Like I started praying more, praying more. Like yeah, you gotta find a reason why you're here. Mm -hmm. You have to find a reason. Mm -hmm. So when I came home and and like uh, was running around with like my wife and stuff like that, trying to figure things out. I still wasn't a trainer, but I was super, super heavy. Uh, I'm gaining weight now, messing with the rest of my but <laughs> I was super heavy because I came home completely in shape, and I still get in shape every now and again. But uh, I came home, and we were running around, and I was like, you know, I don't know what I really want to do. Like, I, I, I learned how to get in shape. I got my homies in shape, but I didn't want to do that. So it's, I kind of feel like my adversity started to shine on where but I was going. But let me ask you this. Did you transition from that and then getting into the fitness industry? Did you become passionate 
about that. That's the thing, and that's how it happened. Like some people thought, like, hey, he got certified while he was in prison. Mm -hmm. You know how people come home and be trainers. It was never about that. Like my my dad wrote me, say, yo, you, I'm type one diabetic. He like, yo, you diabetic and you have asthma. You, I've been away I know before. You got asthma yeah, he said I've been away before. And take care of yourself. If you don't, you be on that gurney somewhere, taking thirty minutes to come get you. It scared me, shitless. It scared me. So I said, okay, cool. I'm running every day now. I'm studying. He's sending me stuff. I'm. The game is on. My, my cellies are mad at me because I'm watching Doctor Oz. See, like, yo, he's really not gonna change the channel. Like, I, I literally was studying everything, making my mom send me books. Like, that's how I was when I came home. I started chasing the music again. Okay. I started chasing the music. But I was in the gym training people, I mean like my friends. Mm -hmm. And some girls asked me about it. Hey, would you train us? I went and got my wife permission. Like, and it kind of started to come. Yeah, I said, yo, would you be okay with that? And then all would of a sudden- Would you be okay with me stretching right, and training? Right. What's going so on? A couple weeks in, she's like, where you going? I'm like, I'm going to work. I already got a full list of clients. And I, I seen it from there because I loved it. I love to do it for myself. So I, when I started seeing other people getting results, I, got, I was really excited. Then I went to school. Actually, out here I went to community got certified and was studying nutrition and stuff like that. But I say that to say that to make it short, the hardship I dealt with, I mean, and I still deal with, like people will play around, they see me building. So every now and again they say, hey, you know he was locked up for this? Yo, this was 12 years ago and, and everything that was said about me actually wasn't true. Or just look my damn charges up. But like I said, people gravitate to negativity right. and try to pull you down. So I knew it, I was trying to work for like a track. Like I was looking at it. And that's why my wife was attracted to me though. I'm looking at trap truck. Writing that down, I'm trying to figure out trying where to I'm figure going, it out. but everybody's telling me no. So when I sit back now and say, if I wouldn't have got those no's, I probably wouldn't have started mm, my own business. I wouldn't journey. have taken my own that's risk. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have jumped out there and did what I'm actually good at. You know what I mean? So, so speaking of that, how did, so there are several entrepreneurs at the table, right? And um, even Brian, in the beginning, Brian said, y'all inspire me. I want to, you know, do my thing too. What inspired you to get into the industry that you are in? And are you passionate about it? Does it make you happy? Because I really love what I'm doing. I love this credit thing and educating my community and teaching team credit workshops and educating entrepreneurs and helping them get funded. Like I live, sleep and eat. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm extremely blessed because I really love it. I'm doing it for I, I, it's, it's genuine with me, it's authentic. So what led you into the industry? Well, I started because <clears throat> my cousin started his business in his basement and I always looked up to my cousin. He was like, you know how some people look up to Jay-Z or he was always like, that father figure that I always had in my life. And, you know, he said, Drew, come on, I'm starting this business. You know, anything he would do, if he was going into a volcano, I was a few that's feet behind. So, you know, he started this business. I started, me, him, and his wife in the basement. You know, that business turned out to be very successful. Now, unfortunately, as far as my position in the business, you know, it wasn't in a car. So, you know, we had to part ways. But I always had that drive that he installed in me. And it kind of, like, made me want more you know i've seen him do some of the best things you can do in life have some of those things so it, it made me feel like i want to have those things so i figured out exactly what it was that i wanted to do and also in my business i get to help people you know i get to go in people's homes and they have nothing they have nobody to take care of them they can't feed themselves you know they can't wipe their own you know behind and i get to come in and help and make sure that they get the services that they need while possibly uh you know supplying a job for one of their family members or something like that you know so that gratification that i get you know from seeing like i'm really changing somebody's life you know 
you know, I'm sure we're all entrepreneurs, but you know, we may live a pretty decent lifestyle now, but you know, there was one point in time, you know, five us talk about five hundred dollars a week. <laughs> talk you about know, where you can pay yourself. You know, that was like, you know, that was a lot of money. You know, we would do anything to be able to have a steady income of that, you know, much into our house. So, you know, that for me, you know, that gratification of being able to be, you know, financially stable and be able to help people is what led me into you know, the field that I'm in. Okay. As I'm sitting here, right, and I'm listening to everybody. What's up, man? <laughs> Quick change. Um, as I'm listening to everybody's story and like, you know, what you guys do, like I'm, I'm kind of like on the flip side of that, right? So I am, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? But in the midst of me trying to figure it out, I know where I'm going to end up. You know what I mean? I know, I know, I know what the vision is, and I know, I know where my path is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get there. So, you know, I guess I'm still in the transition of becoming like you guys. You know what I mean? We <laughs> so, all been through that transition, yeah, the yeah, figuring yeah. it out stage. Wow. So that's, that's, yes, that's, the figuring, that's the figuring it out stage. Yeah. Yes, Craig. So, you say you on the opposite side. Yeah. I'm in education. Okay. So when you, you have conversation about black men in education, the conversation just doesn't happen. So my primary um, career profession, I provide access and opportunity to people that look like me, right? But working in higher education as a black male that makes up part of that 1% of African Americans who hold a doctoral degree, you still got to work three times as hard. Come on, you got to go above and beyond the call of duty. I got to show up early, work through lunch. I got to jump through all these hoops to prove myself um, and allow my work to actually speak for itself. But when you think about who's not excelling in higher education, it's us. Mm -hmm. So when you start having that conversation and entering education into the, to, to the dialogue, it changes the dynamic. I'm also an entrepreneur, I have multiple streams of income, but I always go back to the fact that I didn't become a doctor to make money, because Pop taught us how to make money, right? I was making money before I even earned, I was actually making more money uh, without the degree than I am with the actual degree in my current position. Um, but more so of the impact and the difference, right? And being in a position where you can reach to rescue, you can teach to transform, and you can actually impact people's lives for purpose. Mm -hmm. And use the education as the actual platform for doing it. We cannot have the, take education out of the conversation, right? We need to teach our young people. And I was at your session um, last weekend uh, about the importance of credit, about the importance of all of these things. So when you say education, you're not just specifically referring to college, yeah, not in college no, setting or education. Okay. I'm just talking about education. Just learning. But, yes. but I work in a higher educational institution. I work in a community college, right. right? You don't necessarily have to pursue a degree. You can go and become a notary. You can become right. a signing agent. Right. You can take real estate classes, all of which I'm but actually But I think nobody actually well. talks about that, though. They don't. They're just selling education. And when and I know because I encounter so many teens and so that. many youth mm -hmm. during these sessions, and yeah, college yeah. is forced upon them because black people think that that's the only outlet if you come from a poverty-stricken you know, area or your environment. They feel like, oh, you got to go to college because if you, which they don't even know like 85 to 90% of my clients are struggling to pay their student loan debt. I wanted to chime in on that. Like, so as the reason why I'm where I'm at is number one, the doors were shut in my face several times. I followed the tra traditional track. All my cousins, my brother, rest in peace, everybody hustled. Everybody was from the street. 
Everybody. So growing up, I used to tell all my cousins, I'm going to be the lawyer. I'm a, y'all going to need me. You know? <laughs> I'm going to get all y'all. Like y'all going to need me. So that was the plan. You know, I, was, I was going to finish undergrad. I was going to go to law school. Then I had a son. And my uncle that, um, you know, he studied law for a period of time. He said, listen, law, studying law can be very challenging. You're about to have a son. You're very committed. I don't know how that's going to go. But if you want to do it, I support you. But just know that path, law degree is a, is a, is a, a dark path like you're gonna really have to cut off everybody so i ended up saying no i'm not gonna get my law degree i'm gonna go get my mba mm -hmm. so i got my undergrad following the corporate the, the white man's path saying look go get your degree get your corporate job i'll be making six figures i'm gonna be rich i'm gonna have a big house that wasn't the case i got the corporate got the college degree went and got a second degree making eighty thousand dollars a year at a bank and i'm keep applying for different jobs and i'm not getting accepted i go to interviews they take me to the first let me ask you something real, real quick in the midst of that so as you were in corporate America, do you feel like corporate America allows black men to go to the next level? They only they only yeah. do if, if, if you're willing Absolutely to not. assimilate. Absolutely. No, Absolutely. no, listen, let me let me let me let me tell you. So being in the banking system, being in the banking system, you can move up in corporate America as a black man, but there comes the uncle time. Yeah, you're gonna shave your beard off. You gonna wear so a certain you type. Conform. So yeah. one day, one day, I was out shopping with my father, Don't and I was picking up a certain tie and a certain. So my dad said, "That's not how you dress." He said, "They got you changing how you dress." <laughs> I said, "No, dad, but I'm trying to get. I'm trying to move up." He said, "Don't ever." Discount who you are to move up. Wow. If you gotta discount who you are to move up, what's It'll gonna happen when you move up? They gonna be able to know that that's not the wow. real you. Wow. So you know, trust in corporate America. I, had, I didn't have a beard, every, shaving my beard, getting bumps and all that, trying to mm -hmm. fit the corporate structure. But some do move up, but they they kiss a lot of ass and they 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 try to look like somebody they're not. But then when they get all the way up, but they that realize- that has to be a struggle. Oh, it's a struggle. Because it's like, at that point, what do you, who do you identify yourself with? Who do you identify yourself with as a black man? Let's talk about yeah. that. Who do you identify? Who, if I asked you, who are you? What would you tell me? Who are you, bro? I'm flying shit. <laughs> 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 How are we defining no, 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 shit? Who are, who are you? Too, it goes with confidence. Yeah. Okay. So confidence is taught as a kid. That's why I, my, my mom always built that in me. So I can go in any room and I'm confident. I don't care if millionaires, billionaires in there. I'm gonna go in there with confidence. My head is gonna be up. I'm not gonna walk in there with my head down. So that's it. You know, confidence. you gotta have that confidence. The biggest problem for me with corporate America was, and I think a lot of us as black men, we have this problem is, we go into this corporate setting, whether we have these credentials or not, but we don't know how to conduct ourselves mm -hmm. because we are different. As black people, we think and function differently than white people. So we don't understand why they do what certain they do. things <laughs> or, you know, and it's not like it's a us and them because I don't believe in that us and them. Yeah. It's just that we are, the only white people we interact with is, the mailman is not even white. A police officer, That's true though. a teacher, That's true. the principal is a superior. So when we go into that, mm, you know, indeed. that corporate America, we are we don't we're not normalized to being around white people. We don't have white friends. That's we don't so true. we don't go to white you know Function. situations Function. as far as their events and stuff. So we don't know. You know, 
and white people don't know us. They don't know what a repass is. Oh, no, 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 no. They do you know, know. They, they know what they, 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 they see on the news. Well, yeah. It's crazy. On the news. Absolutely. But guess what? That's, that's basically, if you, but listen, Drew said they don't know, so they don't know. So if the only images that you're seeing of black people is on the news exactly. and they paint it specifically, specifically, sorry. Yes, then that's what you're going, that is going to be your interpretation of the black man. That is going to be what you see or how you see the black man, which explains why you're walking past an older white woman and she grabs her purse. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And I don't ultimately know how that feels. But I know that that gotta feel, make you feel shameful in some instance. Yes. Like, damn, I, I'm not a I live, I live in a, a, a more a more upscale like community. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's a lot of more. I live in a more upscale community. The price is kind of you know a little higher up. So what happens is you tend to have a more more older type of person in the community because those are normally the type of people that can afford to live there, mm -hmm. like the people later in life. So now I have a Bentley. I'm like the youngest black guy in my community. Now, I specifically have this one apartment. There's the, I have the only apartment in my community that is the apartment that I have. It's like the largest, it is the best apartment in the community. And you know, people know that, you know, because you know, the, the people will talk. Now there's this one specific lady. Uh -oh. She tells everybody <laughs> that, I I'm a, that I'm a drug dealer. No, she don't. And my thing is, you know, she tells like several people this, and I'm kind of handling this in a, a separate manner outside of this. But it's like, you know, why? <laughs> why because I'm black do, and I drive a Bentley, do I have to be a drug dealer or because you're short? So you do I have to play sports? You know, <laughs> I, like I can't be, you know, just a, a, a smart black guy. You know, I can't be into tech. I can't be a real estate guru. You know, a car guru. You know, I'm just something like it's, it's just associated with something negative because of what you see on TV. But now, can I add to that too? So, yes. I mean, now, now you, you open up the channel. I don't, it's not even a challenge, but you just open up the door to new money versus old money, right? So when you live in more affluent um, neighborhoods or communities, you show up in a certain way if you're new money versus old money. So I've lived in, um, when I lived in Dobson Mills, when they first put up Dobson Mills, and it was, pretty affluent and kind of wasn't as brown as it is now. Um, I encountered neighbors who was trying to figure out how could I afford to actually That's be crazy. Right? That's crazy. So they, crazy. they look at you, they size you up and they kind of put a put a stigma on you based off of media's perception or just based off of and you can affirm or disaffirm their perception of who you are based off of how you show up mm -hmm. confidently and articulate yourself. But I done got to the point where I ain't proving shit to you. With the car situation, right? What I feel like with the white man now, I like to level up. Like if I, mm -hmm. I'm an accountant, yeah, but, yeah. but when I go buy it, when I go get the Escalade, I'll get the Benz. I'm not. I'm gonna dress with the. I'm gonna dress? dress like this because like I want you to think. And then I'm gonna give you my card. You gonna Google me? You gonna look it up? Me like damn. You gonna say damn? Oh, it's really a big deal. Out. Like no, I'm not gonna come in a suit to prove to you that I'm. A professional, my, my clients and my associates to see me doing my work will see that I come dressed down with the Tims on with my business and I articulate myself. Don't, don't, you don't never discount your, your you, you, you articulate yourself. You do gotta sound educated, you know, you ain't gotta sound like no good, but, but you don't gotta look a certain way. But they, they'll look at you like, hmm, you trying to get this? Yes, or oh, you trying to buy this house? But guess what, though. 
y'all can do that because y'all successful already. Y'all ain't got to kiss nobody, but we call the shots. We ball. No, you right. That's the advantage. That's the advantage. It's a different ball game. That goes back to education, like what Craig said. You gotta know how to articulate. You gotta know how to articulate yourself. Yeah. That's you one go, thing I like to You go in there dress, dress down, but you still you got to talk. articulate. But when you open your mouth, is is definitely something different. It, it, it's, it's always gonna be right. something. Yeah, and they judging you off that. You better, you better get your first. Speaking of corporate America, that's why when I got out of college, I didn't go in corporate America because I'm like I'm not gonna downplay. I could have got a job at Enterprise. But they wanted me to transform. I'm like, yeah, you, cut, you had to cut that beard off. Oh, they offered me the same position when I got out of school. Cut my beard. Like, like I can't trim it down. No, no, no. Cut it off. Like, are you serious? So, Just, I said, okay. that my rock. That's why we, 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 we where we are and they where they are. They working for somebody and we working for ourselves because we didn't conform to their rules. Yeah. I'm not I'm cutting not my beard. I'm keeping my throat born. I'm right. going to keep my prostration right. mark. I'm going to pray five times a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going to pull up to the presidential in an X7. Mm -hmm. I just moved there. I got my wife a pounds, right? Mm -hmm. when, I, when we first moved, I was in the wrong building. The lady said, oh, do you live here? Wow. Wait, 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 talk about that. How does that feel? It's just like, like. But how does that feel from an emotional standpoint? If somebody say, do you live here? I'm a little rough around the edges, Nisha. Like, you know, like, I, so it kind of took, like, like, yeah, I live here. Like, you can afford it, I can afford it too. Like, just because I'm black, I'm young, I got tattoos, I'm not a drug dealer. Yeah, I did time in jail, but a lot of us did time in jail. But does that affect your emotionally? Like, let's talk about it from an emotional standpoint. Like, if somebody, like, because I know when, when things hurt me, if I don't talk about it or address it, it will eat me alive internally. Like, it will eat me alive. My situation bothered me. It made me feel like I'm not going to live there. It's like, I don't feel safe. You know, where I live is a small community. It's not too many black guys with a Bentley. So you have that conversation with somebody whose husband is a police officer. Now they profile me. Now they right. profile you know what I mean? When somebody thinks I'm a drug dealer and now they break it and into the my house. And the minute you have a party, you know, you have a big you, party you, or holiday You just never know. They, they like, it house. really, because those things are reality. Lawyer up. That's Lawyer like two, up. two weeks ago, I got pulled over in Montgomery County. Suited and booted. I'm um, driving a license. So they say, um, they say, you from around here? No, he said, what you doing around here? I said, I just dropped my son off at school. He said, okay. So I see him checking me out the whole time. He took my stuff. How about he gave me a ticket for $500? For what? For what? For, what? for uh, being for black? Speaking, no, for speaking. <laughs> <laughs> for what? For being black? For being black, though. Yeah, Because yeah. the whole time, he was a young white white guy. And I looked, I felt like he looked at me like, oh, he's doing, he's doing good. He's doing good for He's doing better than me. Right. So next yeah. thing you know, I got to... I didn't even know you get a ticket. It was a speeding ticket, but I didn't know they can give you a ticket for five hours. Wow, wow. But see, like speaking of that, I'm gonna want you to lawyer up. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that in a, in a, in a solution, like to that, is doing what we're doing now, talking about it, coming together as a whole, whether you Christian, Muslim, Jew, that don't even matter. You come together to do something positive for the community because people look up to you. People look up to you. People look up to you. Like every, people look up to us in different ways, and we don't know the effect that we really can have on somebody's life. Right. Like, I spent some 20 to 40 years in jail. Like, I want, excuse me, I want to live in three and a half to 10. Because when you transition, it's like you're getting told no. Like, you was getting told no. You don't know which way to go. So, you like, you're getting told no, you don't know which way to go. Then you're still around the same people. So, trans transitioning is taking yourself away from this crowd 
moving yourself to this crowd, but we don't have a father figure or the education right. to get it done. You pretty much learn it on the fly. Right. So, so as we learn, as I learned on the fly, I had my wife behind me. So my, my wife was really my, my, my motivation, like my inspiration. When I came home, I, like I was just, I was still rough. Like I still wanted to be that thug, that just that typical black guy thing. Mm -hmm. That you didn't want to be that. I, 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 wait, wait, no, no, no. I got, I, I didn't, I got to be. You didn't want to be that. He was comfortable. That was wait, all wait, he knew. Wait, that was all he knew. But it was easy to get. Right. Wait, 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 wait. What's typical black guy? Because you, you, you just said two microaggressions. One. This is a, just a good segue. Right. To yeah, yeah, I mean that's, that's, that's internalized though. That's huh? that's that's internalized. Like, was, that's what what, what, what right. it, it, it's his experience. Right. But it's everybody. I was raised in the hood yeah, too. Yeah. So and my brother, same mom, same pop, did fifteen. Right. Right. So we just made different different decisions right. and choices and all that other stuff. But everybody, it's just not typical. I mean, what typical is not typical for me. It, was it might not be typical for the It was the norm. But we have to change the dynamic. Because every black boy, it will change the narrative. narrative. We no, have to right. change the narrative right. because if we're being a right kind of example, then we can change the trajectory for who these kids are. No, you're right. Right. So you come home and you still X, Y, and Z, and you have people, because we all have influence because we black kings. Right. 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 So right. Now what are we doing with that influence now changes the dynamic. And can change the way that the villages actually go. Let me say one thing. Let me say Let's get a little deep. Listen, the black father is key. Oh, I'm glad y'all said that. That was that. He was supposed to tell you who you're supposed to be. That's the person. That's the person. But listen, I wanted to touch on that. But let me let me say what I didn't say. I wanted to touch on that. That's what ends up being a bunch of. But that's what he said. That's what he said. He didn't have right. Okay. Like, I wanna, I wanna All right, wait, wait, wait. We gonna hold that. We gonna hold that. Wait, wait, wait. Cause we we got a part two coming. We gonna hold that. We gonna talk about that. We gonna get into that. We about to get deep, deep. I need y'all to tune in to the next episode, part two of what it is like being a black man in America. I love my guests. I thank you guys for being here. We're gonna come back with part two. What it's like to be a black man in America. Niche speaks. Yeah. Reef got cars.